Welcome to episode 269 of Canada's Pinball Podcast, the only pinball podcast that Andrew Highway threatened to sue. I'm your host, Canada. We actually have a guest on the show. I'm really excited. Uh, the majority of this podcast is going to be me airing my discussion with Blake Dumasnil. You know Blake if you've listened to the show. Um, incredible guy, huge pinball fanatic, and we are going to discuss everything going on in the hobby. So I'm not going to waste a lot of time on this introduction. A few updates that I want to talk about before I jump to that interview. Um, Number one, the sad news was reported to the pinball world uh, that Yap uh, of Dutch Pinball is apparently uh, battling throat cancer and is undergoing chemotherapy and uh, those around him say he's focusing on what's important in life and that uh, that puts the pinball uh, stresses into perspective. So a bit of bad news on both the personal front of what he's going through, but also another sort of, uh, you know, just bit of bad news for Big Lebowski owners. What does this mean for the future of getting that game into production? We have not heard an update on how the lawyers... Um, have been trying to figure this out. So still a lot of just no movement. And it seems like this is just bad movement with with the personal health of Yop um, where it's at. So um, obviously we want to put pinball aside and and, and hope he is able to battle um, what he's going through. I think everyone realizes that yes, there is the pinball stuff that sucks, but real life and important issues like health um, will always come before uh, what it goes on in the pinball world. All right. All right. What else is going on? So we, we talked a little bit about the artwork for uh, Queen Pinball on this interview with Blake. And there's an update that I read about. So apparently uh, Brian Allen says that he worked on that artwork and with Andrew Highway and they submitted it to Queen and guess what Queen rejected it and didn't want that kind of illustration to represent the band is anybody surprised I mean he made those two guys look pretty weird so I'm not surprised that Queen wanted to go with with a more romantic and stylized version of the band all right all right what else is going on so our poor friend Zach over at straight down the middle Zach does something Uh, that is selfless. He buys new pinball machines to review them, and if he likes them, he keeps them, and if he doesn't, he sells them for a good price for the next person to get it. And so normally he's uh, he's pretty efficient in getting the game sales off the ground, but nobody seems to want Deadpool, which is kind of funny because everyone keeps raving about Deadpool on Pinside, and here is one. Uh, for $5,100, and it comes with pin stadium lights, and it comes with uh, some uh, mod couple mods that like speaker grill mods and some other mods like shooter lane mods and some other stuff or shooter rods, um, and yet nobody is buying it. 
and he has to keep lowering the price. Uh, and I think this is pretty indicative of where we're at. The market is oversaturated. People want, um, uh, you know, they want to see what's next. There's a lot on the horizon. Uh, you know, $5,000 is still $5,000. You know, there's only so much room that, you know, people have, and there's only so much money people have before they, um, you know, they pull the trigger. I, I think we're seeing a lot more hesitation uh, on things getting gobbled up immediately and unless people know they want to have it. I think it's also really hard to sell a Stern Pro that is on the line that you could get brand new. Uh, you know, I don't even think like a four or $500 savings is worth it to most people. I think they'd rather have it brand new than someone's used game. Uh, you know, it's like you're basically getting a 10% discount, but you also then have to deal with like paying for shipping unless you're going to go pick it up. And so then you limit your, your buyer pool to people who can drive and go pick up the game. So I also think it's testament that Deadpool, you know, as much as people are saying this is like the greatest game ever, and it's not. And I know people have a little bit of a honeymoon period with brand new Stern games, and we always hear that they're the greatest game ever, uh, but I'm not so sure about that. All right, speaking of greatest game ever, uh, there is new Batman code out again, code .96, which adds another wizard mode uh, to the game. And it's at the point now where we're at .96 and Batman 66 is almost pretty much just about done. And I think the consensus on the game two years after it came out is it's now one of Stern's best games. And by that... I mean, it is probably one of the best themes Stern has ever done for a pinball game. It's definitely not the best shooter. I will never in a million years lie to you and tell you that Batman 66 is like the greatest layout or design and it's, and it's not clunky and it's, 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 it's all of those things. It's clunky, it's got design issues here and there. Uh, but it's fun because of the sum of the parts. And by that, I mean the theme, the music, the call-outs. Everything is so integrated into the pinball machine that you're willing to be a little bit more forgiving uh, on some of the clunkiness of the game. Now, it's not like a dog by any means. I think why people like Batman, the reason I think a lot of people like it is it's a pretty wide-open playfield, so it's not an intimidating game to step up to. It's actually pretty easy to step up to a Batman and know what to do. Uh, but the real gem of this game, the real diamond in the otherwise rough parts of it is the code. And Lyman Sheets, uh, you know, I've always heard people brag about him and how he can make a game so much more than what is like what lies before your eyes with the play field. Uh, and I understand why people say that now. I think the genius of Lyman and Batman is the mixture of things that the casual player can jump in and go do. Like you literally only have to hit two shots. You hit two shots in any of the villain shots and the phone starts to ring and you pick up the phone and you're in a mode. Okay. That is super, super simple. It gets deeper and a little bit more complex from there. I think where people are starting to sort of complain a little bit, and I want to talk about this for a second, is to get to the wizard modes, okay? To get to the, like, the, the, the fun stuff at the end of the journeys in the game. It's not super simple. It's not super easy, okay? You either have to jail all four villains and then start villain escape, or 
or you have to like defeat a minor villain from season one, a minor villain from season two, and a minor villain from season three. And you have to do all three of those. And the hard part about the minor villains is when you drain, you lose the mode. Okay, but when you drain, when you have a major villain, like the Joker, Penguin, Catwoman, or Riddler, you stay in that mode even when you drain. So it's a lot harder to go the minor villain route. Now, here's the thing. I am not a good pinball player. I am not by any means a good pinball player. But I, when I hear people on Pinside complain that Lyman should have made those uh, wizard modes easier to get to, that those multi-balls should be easier to unlock. I literally get annoyed by that. And I'll tell you why, because come on, come on, dudes, learn how to play pinball a little bit. It is not hard to do. It's not impossible to learn how to beat Mad Hatter, which is just about like maybe eight shots and then you have to do Egghead, which is super simple, Egghead Season 2, which is just you hit the gadget button and you only have to then hit one shot. It's like a shortcut season that he put in there for everyone. And then you do like Egghead Season 3, which is also pretty simple. Look, my point is there's no point in making everything in a pinball machine immediately gratifying in, in the sense of like you get to see uh, you know the multi-balls and the wizard modes pretty easily because then what's the point of playing the game you know the, if you want a pinball machine to be like Mario Brothers where you can like take the elevator up to the top of the ceiling and then warp zone to the final level like that kind of spoils the fun uh, I you know I think what Batman does need is probably a simpler way to start a multi-ball for the novice player, which is not in there yet. But anyway, I want to say I think the game right now is pretty much done. I mean, there's going to be a couple more wizard. There's one more wizard mode. Uh, I think that got added. I think there's going to be a few other things. But ultimately, we are getting to the finish line of this game. And I know it's been a two-year wait, but I, I think it was worth it for those people who went in on the journey. Uh, but... We'll see. We'll see what's left. I think there's some polish. I would love to see more crane action from the Penguin. Um, but Batman 66 is coming to the finish line. I think there's also new code on Aerosmith. There's new code on Deadpool coming. Uh, what else is going on in the pinball world? So this made me laugh. So tonight, I was down looking at my wedding venue. I'm getting married in a couple months. And on the same block of my wedding venue, uh, it's down in Wall Street. There's a, a street called Stone Street, and Stone Street is famous for having a lot of Irish pubs, a lot of character uh, on that street. All these people are out and about uh, on these beautiful park benches, having beers and food and, you know, tons of people on Stone Street tonight. And I said to Brenda, I said, hey, Brenda, come here. Let me see if something is where I think it is. And I walked down the block to the end of the block to a restaurant called Smokehouse Barbecue. We walk in there. We walk upstairs. There's nobody upstairs. Absolutely nobody. There's chairs on top of tables. It's not set up. And there to my right is a game that so many of you are waiting for. So many of you have paid for already. So many of you have been clamoring to play and see if you really like it. And it's just there, sitting to the right. Machine is turned off. Nobody's even upstairs. Is a Pirates of the Caribbean by Jersey Jack Pinball. So I walk over with Brenda, and I say, hey, do you have a buck? 
turn the game on. Game boots up. Takes a little while to boot up that game. Uh, it started saying something like open coin door or something on the, on the screen. It, it didn't matter. I was able to start a game. And I was able to jump on Pirates of the Caribbean and play it. And I just couldn't help but laugh. Is Why is this game just stuck upstairs in a restaurant where nobody is at, getting played by nobody, introducing pinball to nobody, expanding pinball to no one. It's just crazy. It's just it's like it's like it's just there to be out of the way. Um, but what I love about it is instead of spending nine thousand dollars, ten thousand dollars, it's it's a limited edition machine. So instead of spending like ninety five hundred dollars, I could go down there every night and play Pirates of the Caribbean with nobody there with perfect sound able to hear all the call outs and have my own sort of like it's like a home use only experience with pirates of the caribbean and then i could keep nine thousand four hundred and ninety five dollars in the bank and not have to worry about fixing it not have to worry about you know it getting old or stale and that's why i do love new york city i mean i just literally when i was you know just down there i'm like just the whole notion of like clamoring to buy and own these games every time a new game is out, it, it just seems foolish to me. Uh, my opinions about the game, they still haven't changed. I jump on it. There's so many lights. There's so many inserts. There's so much going on. The trunk lock on that game isn't working right. The ball goes up when it says lock, and it goes up and it falls off the left side of the trunk. So I don't know if that's an early sort of distributor model, but it's not functioning properly. Uh, but I, you know, look, the game is the game is what it is. You know, I hope you guys who buy it enjoy it and have fun with it. Uh, but I, I'm still I don't see the magic there like I like I want to see with Jersey Jack games. I, I I still think Dialed In is the greatest game they've made to date. Um, but that theme just puts me to sleep dialed in. Anyway, let me air this interview with Blake. Um, I think you're really going to enjoy it. I also got a a message from my master, which I haven't I haven't received anything from this gentleman in a very long time. But I want to read what he wrote to you on another podcast. I'll upload a, like a little shorter Canada's Master podcast after this. I also want to thank all five of you who donated to my Patreon page. I have like 1,700 people listen to this podcast, and five of you I want to say thank you to. I want to call some of you out. Hector, thank you so much for your donation. Lou, thank you. I really, really appreciate it, Lou. Um, Matthew, Matthew, I super, super appreciate it, bro. It means a lot. And also, Tony, you too, brother. I really, really do appreciate all of you who donate to the page and keep this podcast, um, you know, you're going to help keep it alive. I, I have to say, like, it does mean something for us to be somewhat rewarded for all the entertainment. I say we like it's multiple people. It's it's just me, Chris, but also in Canada. We're split personalities. We're kind of crazy. But please, if you do love this show and you want to show your appreciation, um, I would love any support you can give uh, to the Patreon page. Anyway. Let's air the interview. I think you're going to enjoy it. Everyone, here's Blake. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to welcome back to Canada's Pinball Podcast. Uh, we finally have another guest, and this is a guest who's been on the show. I think you're one of my first guests, Blake. Um, Blake Dumasnil, artist extraordinaire, man, is from Texas, big, big friend of mine. I always crash in his room at TPF. Blake, welcome back to the show. Hey, thanks for having me back, Chris. I, and, and Blake, we need another voice on this show. It's been just me rambling and ranting for months, so I'm happy to get someone else's opinion about what's going on in the pinball world. How does that sound? Uh, sounds great. Now, the first question I have for you, Blake, have you donated to the Canada Pinball Podcast Patreon account? I have not yet. I, I feel so ashamed. <laughs> <laughs> for those of you out there, and I know I talk about expensive cars and clothes and whatnot, but let me tell you something. I got to put food on the table. Go to Patreon, Canada Pinball, if you are a fan of the show, and any support would be greatly appreciated. Now, Blake, we're not going to talk about that. We're going to talk about all the stuff that's been going on in the pinball world. How does that sound? Sounds good. All right. And feel free at any time, Blake, if there's anything else you want to discuss. Like, I have a little list of things. We're going to go down the manufacturers and just talk about the news and pinball. So we'll start with Stern. All right. Have you played Deadpool yet? Yeah, I've actually played all three models. What are your thoughts? Uh, you know what? I, I really like the game a lot. It actually surprised me. Um, you know, given the leaks that came out a while back, uh, the game just didn't really excite me that much with the white wood uh, that was shown. And uh, I've got to admit, after I played the pro, um, you know, probably about a month ago, it was a lot more fun than I thought it was going to be. Uh, in fact, I think I've been having more fun playing Deadpool recently than I than I have on Iron Maiden. Um, you know, Iron Maiden's a great layout, um, and and there's, I think there's more to the shots on the game, but Deadpool's just kind of got a, a fun factor to it that I feel like Iron Maiden doesn't have quite as much, and a lot of that has to do with the animations and the sounds and the callouts and stuff, and I, I think that's going to be a game that, that shapes up really nicely over time. Right. You know, and I, and I just pretty much panned Deadpool on my last podcast, but here's – and I played both of them yesterday, so I'm, I'm glad you brought up Iron Maiden because, you know, I, I, I think you're on to something in the sense that, like, Deadpool as a theme – and with callouts, yeah. it's it's got more uh, fun built into the theme than than Iron Maiden, right? Because Maiden's kind of like it, it's kind of serious. You know, you got the music going, but there's not a lot that makes you like laugh out loud or is trying to make you right. have like a fun experience. I, it's almost like I wish I could combine the layout of Iron Maiden with the the fun factor of Deadpool. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that. The animations in Iron Maiden are nice. I mean, I think that a lot of them were taken from the, the game that they had to use as part of the license. Um, and I feel like some of it feels rather repetitious. And Deadpool's kind of that way right now, but I see so much more artistry that went into you know, building the LCD package and everything that's in Deadpool that I was not expecting when they announced that game or, or you know, the rumors had leaked that that game was being made. Um, I, I was a huge fan of like the, the Konami, you know, X-Men game as a kid. And the fact that they took the animation style from that and incorporated it into a pinball machine was just, I thought that was brilliant. I thought that was a great way to work around not having movie assets and all that stuff to work with. And um, it, it really gave them more freedom, honestly. So, Deadpool really has surprised me. It's 
it's a fun layout. It's it's more fun than it looked like on the Whitewood. Um, it's got some cool some cool shots. The way the orbit goes around is a little different um, than expected. And uh, I think my biggest not really complaint, but just observation is that the, the game doesn't have anything truly magical to it in terms of mechanisms. Um, I, I kind of feel that way about Iron Maiden as well, though. Um, but I will say where there might not be anything truly unique that captures the ball or you know does something really amazing that'll surprise people uh, on the game they do make up for it with once again beautiful artwork and uh, a fantastic sound and music package uh and a great light show um they they really have done a great way of creating energy in the game when there isn't really anything that that makes the ball do something unique you know and that's been my gripe, and 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 I think when I look at both of those games, and I, that was the takeaway I had yesterday, was I feel like Stern is basically their new approach to pinball is let's do it with the LCD and the artwork and like the lights and the sound, but they're they've removed the the physical mechanical stuff from the game that creates the wow because it's cheaper because it doesn't break because it's easier to like service these machines. And, you know, so that's their new approach. And and I had the same feelings too, Blake, is like, I just don't feel like there's any toy or mech in either game that justifies, I think, the price of the premium and the LE. See, that's my issue with Stern is I feel like everything now is just like a glorified Stern Pro. Like we're not getting anything that to me feels like anywhere near a $9,000 game. Right. Yeah, it's... It's very hard for me to look at these games and justify why would I buy the premium or the LE when really the experience um, that's making the game fun, like I said, all those things like the the art and the music and whatnot, you're getting that with the pro model as it is. So um, I would feel very content buying the pro model on those types of games. I, I do think that you know there have been games in the past that CERN's made where they really they really justified that additional cost on the premium and the LE models. Like they really went all out even beyond just, you know, nice trim packages and stuff like that. And there were features that made the game a whole completely different experience uh, than what you're getting with the pro model. And why, you know, why can't you get, and this is what I don't understand (laughs) for almost double the price. Like an LE is almost double the price of a pro. Why don't you get, unique coding in the game like that to me that when everyone always talks about tron le and the daft punk multi-ball is the main reason why the le is special and yet stern can see that's why i think everyone's playing a pro because everyone is running on the same engine you know it's like not to use a car argument but everyone's gaming experience for the most part is identical when it comes to the code of the game right right and you know, I appreciate that. I guess it's kind of a double-edged sword that they, you know, they they want to offer a pretty close experience for people that do want to buy a pro to those that buy an LE. In terms of, you know, you feel like you're not getting screwed out of some major features that you feel like the game should have. Uh, but on the same note, people are paying premium prices for these higher end games. And I agree that they should expect to get something that is unique to those games. And that, 
you know, you can't just walk up to a pro and get that same experience. So absolutely. And speaking of premium prices, have you heard the rumor? We'll go to the the next title. So Beatles, there is a rumor floating around Pinside, which we all know is like, you know, nothing is ever validated, but that there will be a Beatles super limited edition that will cost $50,000. Yeah, I, I heard that rumor. Um, I, I, I sort of have a hard time believing that there's some truth to it, but there were a lot of us that couldn't believe that they were selling Batman 66 for $15,000 when they announced that. So, um, but this is $35,000 more right. than that. <laughs> right. This is, this is an automobile more than that, than that game was. <laughs> uh, you could get a Honda Civic Type R and a Batman Super LE for the price of a $50,000 Beatles. Right. I mean, all I could say is that, like, man, you know, if they seriously are, I think that even if they're going to charge more than $20,000 for a Super LE on that title, that you're going to have to have, like, custom call-outs or signatures from Paul McCartney and Ringo, and you're going to have to have some very unique things that the diehard Beatles fan would want to have. You, you know, need, you need John Lennon to do custom calls for this machine <laughs> to cost fifty thousand dollars, right? <laughs> so, it, so, yeah. there, so we know that it's a retheme of Sea Witch, and that has been like a rumor. But now, I look, I can confirm that that's what it's going to be. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Because that's the other thing that people are sort of like, wait a minute, like I'm not going to pay a premium for what is essentially a reskin of an old game that's a single level game. Well, I mean, I think it's a perfect example of you are not paying for a game to play with that machine. You're paying for the theme, the exclusivity of owning that theme, um, especially if they truly make it very limited like it sounds like they're going to. Uh, You know, I, I think that they saw there was a huge success and a lot of money to be made with that Supreme machine for a pretty minimal amount of effort, you know, in terms of just reskinning a home edition Spider-Man. So, um, I, I think they know that there are a lot of diehard Beatles fans out there that will buy this machine sight unseen and, uh, they're, they're banking on that. So yeah, it doesn't, I'd, it doesn't matter that, that the gameplay may be simple. Yeah. I, 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 I think they might have a misstep here and here's here's why because i think supreme's different than beetle fan base and supreme mania is actually a real thing stern was smart to do what they did supreme yeah. fans are young people who have more money than brains who will buy a 500 dollars brick because it says supreme on it and they just they just want anything that's supreme they're not fans of pinball at all right uh, so right. i think it works there i don't know if Beatlemania collectors. We saw this with Star Wars, where we just expected all Star Wars collectors to to buy it just because it was Star Wars, and that didn't actually turn out to be the case. Um, but I'm I'm curious to see if 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 Beatles fans will plunk down this kind of cash on a on a thing that ha- actually has no real connection to the band whatsoever. You know, it's not like it's a piece of memorabilia or like a signed guitar. It, it's it's a pinball machine, and 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 I don't know. I'm curious. Do you th- okay? So do we do we think yes or no? I don't think there's going to be a fifty thousand dollar super limited edition. I think that sounds idiotic. 
I, I think there, I think there, w- there probably will be a super limited edition, yes. but I definitely don't think, think it'll be at that price point. I mean, um, twenty grand maybe. Okay. I mean, um, if if it really is a much more simplistic layout, you know, as they're talking about. I mean, many, Batman. And how many of the super leaves do you think they're going to make at twenty grand a pop? Because that the supply is an interesting thing to think about with price. Yeah. So let's see what they made. 150 SLEs or no, no, they 80. made 80, 80 yeah. SLEs for Batman. Um, I, I could see them bumping that number up because I think that the Beatles fan base is much bigger than it is for Batman 66. Um, I, I could see them going with maybe a hundred to 150 of them at that price point, but, and they probably would sell. Um, you know, you, you do make a good point though, that they, that that collector base is not the same as the supreme collector base. I mean, they like you said, they they would buy, you know, a, a bag of garbage for right. five hundred dollars if it had the supreme brand on it. But well, um, I think what so, Stern has realized is, and I've been saying this, and this is why I think a lot of the boutique manufacturers out there are just aiming for the wrong dollars because that's three million dollars. Like Stern could potentially make by selling just one hundred and fifty Beatles machines at. 20 grand a pop. There are so many multimillionaires, and you know this, Blake, in this hobby. It, mm-hmm. It's it's almost laughable that nobody even tries to push the envelope and test to see what the ceiling is of what these millionaires will spend on a pinball machine. And I think Batman 66, I think you're absolutely right, showed them that they, that wasn't even the ceiling. I bet they could have sold all 80 for 20 grand. Yeah, I mean... Um... The the demand is there on certain titles. I think it just has to be the right package overall. I'm not sure that people are going to be willing to cough up that much money for an even more simplistic game, even if it's got the Beatles brand on it. You know, because Beatles fans are are kind of segregated in a way based off of the albums and the eras that that band went through. And you know, the rumor is that this game. And you and I have have seen this firsthand, actually. It's really not a rumor, but um, this game is based off of the early Beatlemania era, you know, uh, part of their career. It's, yeah, it's a Hard Day's Night. It's the the Ed Sullivan Show appearance. You know, that era, it's not going to be Sgt. Pepper's and Abbey Road and all of that stuff. So, um, you know, that may turn off some diehard Beatle fans a little bit as well because they may only want to have some of that later era stuff. And so I, I think it's just going to depend uh, on on what people are really looking for. If the gameplay is really simplistic and there's nothing truly unique to any mechanisms on it, uh, that might not make the game quite as exciting other than a beautiful art package and a, and a you know world-renowned theme. Right. And we'll see. I think we're going to have to wait until probably February – to actually get a reveal of Beatles. So we're not going to see anything in Expo on it. Stern does not even want any of this info out there. But, you know, we, we have we have built a podcast on not giving <laughs> Stern the ability to reveal what they would like to. So we, we, we keep spoiling them. So speaking of spoilers, Munsters is definitely next. We have seen the artwork. We've talked about People have talked about it. It looks cool. Um we, do, you, do you think we're going to see Munsters at Expo, Blake, or do you think it's going to be later than Expo? I mean, I, I would 
I would hope that it's going to be at Expo. I would hope that this is the absolute perfect timing for them to release that game. But, you know, all of us thought that Iron Maiden was a shoo-in for being unveiled at TPF, and they decided to wait about a month. So um, I would hope that for the people that are going to go to Expo this year, um, I hope that it's a good experience, and I really hope that Stern shows Musters because I think there's a huge expectation, and um, I think that's really the most – by far um, the game that everybody's looking forward to seeing the most uh, unveiled at Expo. So, uh, but you never know, you know, you, you, you've discussed this before that it really doesn't matter when any of these new games are unveiled. And that's a pretty good point. Stern's got such a grasp on the market that they can announce a game at any time uh, via any medium. Um, You know, they've been going to a lot of news outlets lately and stuff and it will still generate a lot of interest. It'll still generate the hype, and they will still sell the, those certain titles out immediately, regardless of it being on the floor at a show. Exactly. Here's my – I don't think they go to Expo. I, I think Stern has a new approach where they almost, like, let the other manufacturers have the shows, have the you know their time in the limelight. Because here's what happens. These other manufacturers go to these shows – we're going to see it with Oktoberfest. We'll talk a little bit about that. They're going to reveal things, and then they're not going to be able to ship those games to consumers for months, if not an entire year. Let's not forget, Jersey Jack showed Pirates of the Caribbean a year ago, and yeah. people are still not getting the game. So I think Stern waits. I think they. My hunch is they're going to reveal it on Halloween. <laughs> something around then and then they're going to start shipping to consumers in mid to late November Um, and you're right it doesn't matter because once they reveal it it's like we're taking orders now and the game is the game is always already on the line when they reveal yes which which is like how do you compete with that yeah now the only the only thing that I could see them unveiling at Expo is if they're going to tie it into the Stern Tour. You know, if they if if the game really is basically on the line at this point, or let's say it's about to be on the line, then they may do what they did with Batman 66 and unveil the game on their own terms, on their own turf, um, you know, and not not worry about actually unveiling it at the show. I mean, the show... I didn't like that, though. Did you like... I mean, Batman was weird. It was like... It was like the Wednesday before the show. There was like three games lined up. Nobody could play. I mean, it was kind of like a piss poor... I mean, the game was visually beautiful. Like, everyone was like, whoa, right? But I I think they already said the Stern Tour is going to be a tour to, you know, see how their current game is built. I think it's going to be like a Deadpool... You go through each station of making a Deadpool. I I don't I, I yeah. doubt it's going to be monsters. Well, that that's the way the tour was set up last year. Basically, was they have everything broken down into stations, so you see the whole process. Um, but yeah, I mean the the Batman sixty six reveal would have been fine the way they did it if they had allowed people to play the game. Yeah, you know, but no but because right because they did they couldn't. You know they. That was why that that unveiling kind of got so much flack. But um, isn't it crazy? Two years, two years to the date in 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 a couple weeks, the game is still not done in Batman sixty six. Well, you know, it's almost um, done. It's almost it, done. It's it's a little surprising, but at the same time, I think that you know y'all have been getting some much more frequent updates after that drought of them for the first year. Um, and the updates are really counting at this point, you know. So I think the game that 
over the long term has been fleshed out so much more than many of the other titles that they've done recently. And uh, I think most other game owners could only wish that they would get the kind of updates like the Batman owners are getting. Yeah, I mean, Lyman is the best. Everyone knows it. It's No one's even close to him when it comes to making a pinball experience come to life. Um, all right, so we'll see. We only got a couple weeks to Expo. Um, a question I had what's next for Stern, right? I, I feel like the rumor mill goes really dry after Beatles. And yes. you know, with, there's like stuff like Pulp Fiction, there's stuff like Godzilla, maybe, you know, but that just feels like a ways off. But what what do you think is going to be next? I mean, are any vault editions of Lord of the Rings or Tron? Like, we know, I, I've heard nothing, no whispers of anything after Beatles. Yeah, and I mean, you know, usually you're, Pretty pretty good about getting inside information on on what's next or kind of allusions to what's next. And I'm with you. I haven't heard anything either beyond January uh, with Beatles. Um, I I don't really think the Pulp Fiction rumors have any merit to them. And if there is any truth to it, I don't know that that's actually going to be a stern game. So uh, I think that there there could be a, a different route taken with that that nobody's talking about um what do you mean but uh, i think you could see another manufacturer like do it possibly uh not not deep root but I, I i'll say i'll say this i wouldn't be surprised if um there could still be some other new pinball manufacturers come into the industry uh, with this kind of renaissance that's going Get on. Get out right of town! Now. You sound like you know something. You know, like <laughs> I, I, I don't, I don't, I don't actually know anything. But I think that there are other gaming manufacturers that might dip their toes in, and I think that you know the 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 stars kind of align when you when you think about other companies that are out there making a lot of these games that you see in Dave and Busters and uh like Rock you know, Thrills other, would make a pinball machine, you think? Uh I think that there could be a possibility of that. Yeah, I wouldn't be I wouldn't I mean, be surprised. I mean think about it. They, you know, companies like Raw Thrills or Ice, they've got the manufacturing capabilities in house to do uh, to do games. Now, granted, they're not building pinball machines, but they've still got assembly lines putting all of their machines together. They've already got teams in place to, you know, design games. Yeah, so. but I would say that, the, you know, making an arcade game is so much different than a pinball machine. And also, the the Dave & Busters, the, the people who buy the Raw Thrills machines, you know, they're not really the home collector. So, I don't know. We'll see. That's an interesting... Um, thing to think about now any vault editions blake you think are going to happen i mean i feel like we've run the last one was what lucy um well i mean i guess technically star trek is being i don't know if it's really being run as a vault edition but it's being rerun again you know so because on stern's website and i i meant to mention this on a few shows ago it says star trek vault edition yeah but then you click over vault and it just goes to like i think pro and premium but but it's not it doesn't carry the name Vault. Yeah, that's it's it's a weird situation with that one, and I really I, I have a hard time considering that a Vault edition because they're not making any improvements to the game. You know, normally a Vault edition is a means for making an improvement to the game or making it different than the original games were in some capacity. And I think Star Trek's just really more of a rerun, but. Um, with that said, I, I do think that we'll see another Vault Edition next year. I think they've kind of made it. I think they've made it 
a habit to release at least one a year. Um, you know, I, I think that it's kind of shifted gears a little bit from games that had been, you know, out of production for a while and there was a newfound demand for them being rerun again to now it's kind of like, let's just re up a recent license we had and, and let's rerun it and not really do anything to it. But I, think I do, just, I think it's like, let's get rid of the parts. Yeah, and that that's no, probably who's demanding a Star Trek now. Like, who doesn't have right. one? <laughs> who wants that? that yeah, that, that announcement really really surprised me. Like, I, I don't understand why Star Trek needed to be rerun. There's there's the the next movie that may come out from that series is not even being filmed anytime soon. So I don't really see the demand for it. But yeah. it's it's um, a cut bait on inventory. Let's move on. To, speaking of production, let's move on to Jersey Jack Pinball. Um, let's talk about. Pirates of the Caribbean, uh, you know, we talked about how it's been a year. Blake, what are your thoughts on a year from a year ago to today? How you think the hype and the demand for this game has been affected by Jack once again making people wait 12 months and people are still not getting the game? Yeah, I think it's it's really unfortunate for for Jersey Jack that as hard as they're trying to build a really amazing quality game um, with a lot of the unique mechanisms and features that we're wanting to see in like some of the new Sterns, not being able to produce these games in a, in a time timely manner is it's just, it's a killer. You know, it's um, the, the hype's gone on that game. And when people see more and more titles come out from Stern that they could buy at a pro level, they could buy, two machines almost for the price of one pirates of the Caribbean. Uh, it doesn't make the weight worth it at this point. And, uh, you know, it doesn't matter how many, how many live streams uh, are done weekly of this game with new code and stuff. If it's not in the hands of the people that really want to buy it, then it feels like it's just kind of falling on deaf ears. And you know what um, I also think is a, a huge mistake that these manufacturers do. And, and, I think of pinball machine. Part of the fun is seeing stuff happen for the first time when you do it in your machine, right? But what I mean by that is all these streams, all they do is reveal the magic of the game right. for you, and then you've already seen it. Like I don't understand. Like I didn't. Stern didn't show me Holy Robin multiball. I, I, I got to it on my own and I loved getting there and being for the first time like you know like blown away by like my achievement and 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 the, my curiosity as to what the mode was and I think it's absolutely so stupid to show people like bits and pieces of the movie throughout an entire year and then by the time the movie's released you've seen every scene right yeah no that's that's a really good uh, analogy and and I mean um, like I, I really I kind of I kind of feel bad for Jersey Jack because they're you can tell they're putting so much creativity and effort into these games and they want to make a, a really great game, but not being able to get it out the door is is just it sucks because the interest does die down and um, you know like I, I got to admit I was I was in Chicago for Expo last year when Pirates was unveiled and it blew me away. It was such a cool game. It was a it was a really incredible experience playing it. They had a lot in the game already that worked, you know, it wasn't just this really early beta code. There was stuff to it. And you know, 
everybody was excited. The, the, the excitement level at that show was incredible. And now that we've just been waiting and waiting and waiting for this game to come out and it, and they're finally starting to trickle out at this point, you know, people don't really care. I mean, I've, uh, my distributor that's in downtown Houston, he gets all of the new games as soon as they come out and he got a Deadpool and that pirates machine on the same week. And he opened up uh, that Friday night and both games were, were there for everybody to check out. And I kind of felt bad for pirates because nobody was really that excited about it either because they didn't really know about it and they didn't really care because it's a, a title that, you know, let's face it, the license doesn't carry as much weight as it used to about 10 years ago. Um, and then also, you know, there's just a more energy to games like Deadpool. And uh, so it's kind of about what's relevant and, you know, what things visually look like to people. Right. So, I mean, if Stern releases Pirates of the Caribbean or they reveal it at Expo 2017, right? Three weeks later... Stern's got hundreds of machines going out to the world, right? right. And, and, and by six months, every single LE and collector's edition order is fulfilled. And, you know, I remember, I, I mean, I, I went in on a collector's edition immediately after Expo last year. I was like, I need this game. Everyone was like, I need to have this game. Like, remember, it was like a dark day for Stern and all. <laughs> right. Like, we, we all, we, we all got on board with Jack. And then yeah. Jack sank his own ship by he knew they were nowhere near production yeah he, he knew I'm, the game was still in beta form and it was like i the rumor i heard and this is what i heard was that his financial investor was was upset that dialed in sales weren't where they were supposed to be and that hobbit sales were also not where they were supposed to be and jack had to show him that there was excitement for the next title but in doing so he completely cut off the legs of Hobbit and dialed in sales and then couldn't even send people any of these games. It makes no yeah. sense. Yeah, I mean, and, and it's it's a shame in a way because I feel like Jersey Jack is getting so much better with their games, with every release. Dialed in is a fantastic game. It shoots incredibly well, and, and you see why Pat Lawler is heralded as such a great designer in this industry. Uh, unfortunately, the theme just did not resonate with anybody, um, and it, it doesn't really have a charisma and an energy to it that you want to see in, in a lot of these new games. Pirates is the best shooting wide body that they've built. You know, it's it's an incredible layout. Eric just really built a great game and he shows a ton of promise uh, as a as a young designer. Um, unfortunately, it's just the manufacturing. The manufacturing part of it is just so tough and if you can't get your product out there to people and and get it out there really to the masses, then you're going to sink, unfortunately. Right. And when Speaking of manufacturing, it is interesting, and people have been sort of calling this out. When you look at uh, a lot of the pictures, and even you know, even when Joe from you know, Pinball Star goes there, the assembly line never seems to be as crowded, or there never seems to be as many workers at JJP as you think there would be um, if they're really like full-fledged into production. And I think the question then becomes is, I just don't think Jersey Jack can make many games that quickly. And, and, and maybe Jack needs to adjust his strategy a bit. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at 
what goes into their games and as, as critical as I want to be of, of like the Stern machines not having any incredible unique mechanisms in them, I see why they don't do that because at the rate they're cranking games out and keeping an assembly line moving, you know, the more elaborate the game is, the slower it's going to be to try to make that game and try to get all of those parts. You also, you know, run into more problems and stuff. And so it's, it's really, um, you know, it's kind of a catch 22. I mean, does Stern want to keep their line moving and crank out as many games as they can? Uh, and let's say sacrifice some truly unique, more complicated aspects of it. Um, or do you go the Jersey Jack route and you you throw everything in there, but then it just makes it so much more difficult to try to make it. So I mean, Stern's it's, making millions and Jersey Jack is losing millions. I mean, everyone knows right. this. No one wants to like say it, but that's what's happening. And you know, here's where Jack is is is. I think this is where he doesn't he their marketing strategy is all wrong. He makes games for the home collector. These are bespoke like highly detailed, highly complex machines, far more than Stern is making. He should make less of each model and charge much more for them. And he would still sell them all. And he would have less people complaining. He'd also have less less pressure to make like 2,000 of something. Make Only make 1,000 of each title, but jack the price up, and he would still sell every one. And, and I don't know why he wants to compete on a volume play. When we all know that Jersey Jack games are not good in tournaments and they're not good in arcades. Yeah, I mean, I feel like that they really would like to get their games, you know, more heavily routed and stuff like that. And the the problem is that the games are just too expensive to want to put on a route and have them get torn up and try to keep fixing them over and over again. Um and yet he really still wants to market them to the collectors. Well, it, you can't really get word out about your company to the masses if people aren't seeing this game on location. Um, but, you know, they're, they're not going to want to dump that much money into putting one of those games on location. So uh, it really is, I think the games really just need to be marketed to the collectors, uh, like you said. And uh, you just really try to do that to the best of your ability. So I haven't an exclusive bit of news that I want to release about Jersey Jack Pinball that you're going to hear first. Not on This Week in Pinball. Not on Head to Head Pinball with a big Marty laugh after it. You're going to hear it here first. So here is what I'm hearing the changes are. And this kind of makes sense and it's a good segue from what we've been talking about for making something for the masses. The Yellow Brick Road edition of Wizard of Oz that is coming out is going to uh, be a more simplified version of Wizard of Oz. And here's what I'm hearing is going to happen. They're going to move the the PC to the back box. I think it's underneath the play field now. Um, the boards are going to be moved to the back box, and they're going to remove, I think, some mechanisms from the Wizard of Oz to make a simpler version of it. Uh, you know, that actually, that's very interesting, and it makes a lot of sense ironically because i think that would make it a more affordable game and a much more routable game um that's that would be smart honestly and, and it's almost like man maybe that should have been done a lot sooner you know given they've seen this game be a, a really big success for them over many years so uh all i can say is it's kind of about time right and then i also heard that they're going to um, remove a lot of stuff from the Hobbit and re-release it, and it's also gonna. It, but it's just gonna be the same exact game. 
because the Hobbit has nothing in it to begin with. Um, that talking, <laughs> the talking, the the Smaug was the biggest issue with the Hobbit. I mean, remember, like everyone was like the dragon toy is going to be the thing that wows everyone, and it was a talking puppet. But anyway, let's move on to Spooky. So here we are as well, and I've and we're giving Jack shit about revealing a game and taking twelve months. Charlie also colossally, I think, fucked up by showing Alice Cooper at TPF eight months ago. Why? Well, you know, I don't know that it was quite as big of a a screw up to reveal it at the time. Uh, You know, we're talking about basically going from March of TPF to the games have started to trickle out around August, I guess. Um, That's not as bad as being revealed at Expo the previous year, but... um, I, I do think that the game has certainly, you know, they've put the most into this game of any of their machines, and, and I think that they're trying to still make sure that they can regularly manufacture something that's more elaborate than some of the other games they've built. So, um, but, but got, I will say that TNA selling well, right? TNA is their right. best-selling game ever, so he's got the, that on the line. The one well, caveat, yeah, is, why did is he that need the down, why did he need the deposits on Alice Cooper like way back in March? Wow. That I I don't I don't really know. Uh, I really I don't know. Like you said, they could have just kept production on TNA going until they were really ready to to get the line going on Alice Cooper. I'm sure they have a reason for it. I don't know what it is. Um, I think that maybe it was just to. Once again, I think that there's just kind of a burning desire to generate hype and generate excitement for your company and your product at you know these big shows, and um, it, it works. But, but Chuck, it, it, and this is Chuck, this is my advice to Chuck, to Robert Mueller, to Dovel. I don't understand how Stern shows you how to do it. They, they, they show people. You, you reveal when you're ready. If, if you have a game ready to ship close to your reveal, you'll sell every one. Every one. Yeah. Within, within a certain number, right? But I think anything south of... 700 you would probably have orders flooding you and you can get them out the door quickly i i think charlie wanted to be on the big stage a little bit i think there's some of that like i want to you know i want to have our moment tpf is a big show Uh, i i definitely think he was anxious and nervous we saw that at the show i i think he knew the game was like very very early on um i also think that to your point, Blake, it doesn't really matter because he's probably sold all 500 spots. Um, yeah. But what I'm going to be curious about, and I, I've, I've, I talk about this a lot, how can he keep people excited over 18 months of production on a game like that? A year and a yeah. half from now before right. the final one ships well, out. Well, I, I think that for starters, um, the people that are buying spooky games, they, they're aware of the the smaller nature of, of their company and the assembly line. And they know that there's going to be a way when they, when they are buying a game from them, they know that there's going to be a way based on the spot they've got. Unlike Jersey Jack, where they've got this big assembly line and you would expect that they could be cranking these games out at a greater frequency. But with the spooky games, I think when people buy a game from them, they, they obviously want their game as quickly as they can get it, but they're willing to, to wait, they, and they know there's going to be a wait. So, right. um, I, I think that that's kind of a level of acceptance that that people have, you know, reconciled with, and they're okay with it. I think the other thing that helps is that 
Spooky is showing that they are cranking games out at a regular frequency. It's obviously not the the large numbers that Stern and and even Jersey Jack could be cranking out, but they're continuously cranking games out. You know, unlike just we're not seeing anything come off the line at all. So, right. so yeah, I think no, people Chuck's people said, know they're going to get their game. They just know it may be a little while. Chuck said a hard crossroad for his company because they're growing, and with that, he has to hire more people to make the games, yeah. you know, to increase the lines. But when you hire more people, it eats away at your profit per game. And and I think he's going to – he's trying to find that balance. And we'll see what happens. I mean, I think the other interesting thing is going to be no one else in the entire pinball world has a non-refundable deposit um, a- agreement with, with consumers. And we haven't seen this before. Um, and I'm curious because I think eight months ago – people's desire to lock in was one thing but once we get the monsters and monster bash remake uh alongside alice cooper i think people being locked in is a little bit different than being patient and i it's i don't know how it's going to play out but i i think there are going to be some people that want to bail because they don't want to wait we'll see what happens there but they but but they willingly as i say they willingly signed the deal with spooky that they it was non-refundable so they they can't bitch and moan because they they are grown adults uh, who made that deal. Now speaking of competitors, let's talk about the Monster Bash monsterly botched reveal <laughs> that Chicago Gaming Company. Had. I mean, can can they just like fuck this thing up any worse? <laughs> you know, Monster Bash has been. Oh, it's it's been an exhausting process. <laughs> you know, leading up to the reveal of this game, I. I do I they think have that, a launch uh, strategy, or is it just like, I don't know, eh, we'll just, eh, NDA? You know, eh. I, I, think, I think they've had some shakeups that maybe they weren't counting on uh, between TPF and now, um, and that's not even, you know, they've had personnel shakeups, they've, you know, obviously the game has, has been much more elaborate to build than uh, than Attack from Mars was. Um, I I don't really know why they set an expectation so early on around TPF that, well, one, it was going to be TPF when it was unveiled, and then it wasn't. And then they said, oh, no, it's actually just going to be about a month later, and then it wasn't. Um, and well, and, and remember, now, they didn't even confirm it was Monster Bash. Then there was just some like right. lame-ass thing in like August that was like, hey, you guys guessed it, like Monster Bash. Like, what? <laughs> Well, they they found they they found like the UL certifications, you know, online, and then they basically were like, okay, okay, you got us, guys. Yeah, it's Monster Bash, you know. So um, poor. But, but no, you're right. You're right. It's it's so easy. Like all you have to do is, you know, you've already established your list of the games that are going to be made. It's just a matter of what order do you go in, and so. And that just was a start. mistake too. That was like I just think that was a that was just like a a move by by them to freeze the 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 prices yes. of those games yeah. in the used market. Yeah, but but I mean, it's like they've already basically said we're we're not going to be making these these hugely dramatic changes to these games. Uh, it's going to be more cosmetic things that just add to the experience, you know, like the toppers and maybe a better light show and stuff. And so I don't understand why there hasn't been these these trickling of teasers that that could building the hype 
company over what's getting out there and there's not just this radio silence where you're just in a vacuum and and it makes people antsy and it makes people want to to see what's going on especially when you've told them hey we're going to show you what's going on soon and it never comes so i also think uh, there's strategies flawed and i'll explain why these games are classics right they're yeah. they're making the games that if you were to buy let's say like a hep restored version of these games they easily all sell for north of $10,000. 1,000 limited editions of these titles I think is a mistake. I also think they should look at stuff like metallic foil decals, you know, for the cabinets. Like they they could take it further. Yeah. And make smaller numbers of these games for the collector, like whether it's the limited edition or collector's edition, charge a lot more and they would get it. Uh, I know, again, and I think by saying 1,000 LEs of Monster Bash, it's not an LE. And and I think they're, I do think they're going to start to struggle to sell 1,000 of these when the, when the supply is so high. I do. Well, I mean, did they I think sell out of the, Attack from Mars? I don't think so. I I don't I don't know. I actually do not know. I I think that if you if you just absolutely wanted to get an Attack from Mars LE right now, you know, two years almost two years later or a year and a half later, then I think you could still get one. You know, it's it's not like they're they're just unobtainium. Right. <laughs> um. So yeah, I mean, a thousand does seem high. I I think that. They're banking on the popularity from for Monster Bash is even higher than it was for Attack from Mars, um, so I, I think that they're really hoping to appeal to the the horror fan base and people that maybe were not aware of this game when it was brand new, you know, 25 years ago. Um, so, uh, well, we'll the see. Timing is so interesting too. You know, you got to figure if they did start manufacturing this game at TPF, they've got no competition in this genre. Now they're coming out against Munsters at the same exact time as Aldous Cooper will be going into production. I mean, it's fun. I, I love watching like these three spooky themed titles like battle it out for for monster supremacy. Um, I still think that people will always gravitate towards a new experience. So, if Borg and Dwight and Franchi deliver a, a stunning new version of Munsters, I, I think there's going to be more excitement for that. And again, you know, and again, I say it too because, as cool as Monster Bash is, I think people have realized that all of the code from those games back in the day is very, very shallow, and there's yeah. only so much uh, you can enjoy long term with with those games because they were never meant to be in home collections. They they need modernized code, I think, to make them. Uh, fun for years and years and years and that's just my take on 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 those classics yeah yeah it's um i i agree with you i mean i think that's the biggest aspect of this whole whole release of this game that i i just shake my head at they had they had an uh, no pun intended they had an open play field from march until now to be selling monster bashes, just selling tons of them because it's honestly been a fairly quiet summer in terms of games. You know, we've had, we've, we've had two stern releases and that's really about it. And, um, so I, it really, it was a huge missed opportunity to not have monster bash go out around TPF timeframe and, going head to head with the monsters while monster bash is still a very strong game. And there will be, 
you know, uh, people that prefer the, the traditional games uh, over the new stuff. Um, there's going to be more excitement for the monsters, and um, I think that that is definitely going to cut into Monster Bash sales. Absolutely, and I'm also just disappointed that with all the time they've had, they couldn't add in a new mode or two just to just to put a little cherry on top of it. But that's yeah. a Lyman Sheets game, right? Uh, I want to say it is, yeah. Okay. Old Lyman Sheets, different than new Lyman Sheets. He he's got a different yeah. approach now. Um, still uh, still gets good with age, though. You know. Oh yeah. <laughs> still, still, it's still classic. <laughs> Look, I still think that Monster Bash is going to make. It's going to be hard for monsters in terms of like a mechanism and toys and things to hit and bash and movement and magic. I, I think it's going to be really hard for monsters to even compete on that level. So we'll see. I heard monsters has a lower play field, but we'll see what they put into that game. I've not seen anything. On a, in terms of Munster's playfield layout or toys. I do I know this, either. though. I do know this. And this is the stuff that Stern hates me to talk about. But I do know that Borg wanted more in the game, and they wanted to make an SLE version of the Munsters to put more stuff in it. And he was overruled because, again, Stern is driven by the bomb and not by allowing their designers to do everything they want. And I keep saying this. These guys are very creative. It's not that they don't want stuff in these games. They are told they yeah. can't put the stuff in. So speaking of a company that's taking the opposite approach, which is let's put as much as we can. Let's let creativity flow. Let's let innovation run free. Let's blow up the Bally Williams sort of error where like each game was designed in private and let's collaborate and make the best pinball ever deep root that is the promise that is what robert mueller is on a mission to do and we know that there's been um a a citizen of the pinball community uh jeff over at this week in pinball visited deep root lots of hype here blake lots of like you know, multiple games being worked on, 80s themes, like is it Back to the Future? Is it Die Hard? What, what, do you, what are your thoughts? Like all of this is just like curiosity meets like my imagination. There's no, I, we don't have anything really hard to go on. Yeah, it's, um, well, I mean, I'm kind of like in the same boat you are. My curiosity is is absolutely peaked with what these guys are doing. Um, I think that we have we've now gotten past the point where it was just this mysterious logo and and bare bones website that popped up, you know, one day, and everybody's thinking this this can't be real. This is, you know, this has just got to be some some fake, you know, <laughs> venture. Right. Um, I think that. You know, Robert has um, he certainly set the the bar high in terms of the way he's talked about what they're trying to do. Um, I I'm really interested to see what these guys are working on, and and I, I will say that I think that you know he's uh, I I appreciate him trying to do some different things, and I'm curious to see how are they going to try to do mechanisms and manufacturing different? How are they, uh, how are they going to integrate LCD technology differently? Cause it sounds like that's something that's, um, that's going to be taken a different approach with. And, um, uh, I think that, you know, he's spoken very highly of what they're working on and the expectations are going to be very high. He knows the criticism is going to be very high when they unveil their stuff, given, you know, 
you know, John Papa Duke's involvement and some of the other drama surrounding the company. But I'll say this, he's, he's obviously gotten, you know, a really good team of people together. It sounds like it's a good mixture of, you know, veteran designers and artists, as well as a lot of fresh blood in there. And, um, you know, I don't think the guy's full of shit. I think that they really are working on something pretty interesting. Um, and I, I would, uh, I would be very curious to see what, what approach they're taking. Uh, I'm the, the theme that they say that they've gotten the eighties theme. Um, I, I'd love to think that it's back to the future because I think that's a theme that uh, personally I would like to see made again. A lot of people would, but at the same time, I really want to make sure that these guys can produce an amazing game and do a theme like that justice, you know? So I hope, uh, I hope they can follow through. Uh, I, I would love to, you know, I'd love to see their facility. They're right down the road from me. You know, they're over in San Antonio and, um, I, you know, from an artistic standpoint, I'd love to see how they're going to incorporate modern technology with, uh, you know, beautiful classic artwork. So, right. yeah. And Robert, I mean, he when we talk, he 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 loves the Bally Williams era, and and he's he's inspired by that to bring that back to pinball. And there's we we don't have much to go on. I mean, TPF is really going to be the moment where we see the five days of deep root. Um, I you know curious to see what they talk about at Expo because they're going to be there, and they're yeah. you know are they going to show stuff? Are they going to tease stuff? Are I mean it's 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 going to be Robert moderating uh, a panel discussion of his employees going to be somewhat interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, I I think the thing is this, and this is my, this is what I'm curious about. Uh, They're making a lot of titles at once. And yeah, you know, we know how hard it is to just get one pinball machine to market, let alone like three, four, five, um, you know, octo manufacturing aside. Um, they've never manufactured a game before ever. Uh, and there's a lot that goes into that. A lot of, a lot of, there's a lot more that, that is required from prototype to manufacturing. And I think that chasm is the piece of the puzzle that I think always trips up all these new companies. You know, like, look at Dutch. They made a Big Lebowski machine that was freaking incredible that everybody wanted to buy. And yeah. they, But really what they brought to uh, TPF or Expo that first year was a prototype of a fully built game. And I think, you know, it's one thing for Deep Root to make the prototype version of a game, but what happens when 500 people order it or 1,000 people order it? How do you overnight turn into a mass producer of pinball machines? And that's the part that I think trips people up. I hope they're successful at it. I don't know how you go about setting up a modern day, innovative, new way of creating an assembly line for pinball that can satiate the demand that will come to your door if you do make a back to the future pinball machine, because if he does, we know there'll be a thousand orders in one day. For oh, absolutely. To, you know, or more. Absolutely. Um, yeah. You know, I'm curious. I'm also curious to see Mr. John Papaduke in person again and to just hear him speak. It's always entertaining because John, once again, I, I guarantee you, he will not take responsibility for what he did. He will, he will 
say that this is what he always needed. He will. Um, he's a mad scientist. I don't even. I would never. I would never even bring J-pop into the public. I. W I think J-pop to me is like the Wizard of Oz. He always needs to be behind the curtain. The second <laughs> you let him out, you know he's like. You know, like in Walt Disney World, there, you know, there's like the area underneath Walt Disney World where all the costume characters change. So you never see them take off their mask. John needs to just be like in the big. I just want to know that John Papaduke is locked in a basement at Deep Root cooking up crazy <laughs> pinball ideas. If you just told me that, I'd be happy. Once you put him out in public, I, I don't think it does any good. I, I think he's also going to. You know, Blake, do we think the angry mob of people who lost money on Raza is going to, like, be there? Because in, in hist if history shows us anything, people talk so tough. But at the shows, they let these people off the hook left and right. Right. Yeah. No, I, I don't I don't think there's going to be an angry mob. And I think that part of, you know, Robert's motivation for wanting to, to moderate this panel is so he can kind of control – you know, what gets directed to John or, or those types of comments. I think it also will allow them to spin any negative criticism they might get into something more positive about what they're doing now. So, you know, at this point, um, it, it will never change the fact that, that a lot of people got screwed out of their money and, and what John did was incredibly wrong, especially in how it was all handled. Um, I feel like now it's just a matter of let's see what they can do. And um, I don't know that he necessarily deserves to be praised for whatever they end up cranking out on these games, especially after, you know, everybody getting screwed over. I think that Robert and some of the rest of the team probably would deserve that praise at that point. Um, Looking back on it all, too, it's hard not to feel like people were also incredibly stupid for giving John Papaduke like the blank checks they gave him without sure. seeing anything. I mean, imagine, let's think about it like this. Imagine if tomorrow, um, let's say Steve Ritchie just leaves Stern and says, I'm making a new game. Give me $16,000. Like, I don't have a company. I don't have like, you know, that's all John did. Like he didn't. Yeah. He he was just a designer without a team, without a company, without a manufacturing facility, and people gave him money. Like yeah. On some level, like lesson learned. It sucks, but I also think there's going to be a point where, and, and we're seeing it now, where you know you were also to blame for putting your faith in this dude. And, and he just bit off way more than he can chew. And, and when you look at it now, at some point we just need to like move past it. I mean, I, I don't know. You can't just keep crucifying this dude. Cause he, he, yeah, he did a stupid move, but it was also equally stupid to put faith in a guy who had never manufactured a damn thing in his life. And I, and I think, Everyone in the hobby has, has learned a lot of lessons, whether it's from John or Dutch or Andrew Highway, about the reality of pinball. Um, speaking of that, let's talk about, we got a couple more minutes, then I gotta go see a movie. I'm gonna go see um, that new Nicolas Cage movie, Mandy. Oh, I've heard it's crazy. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait. Um, let's talk about the artwork that we saw from Brian Allen on Facebook this week about that the queen artwork he was working on. And I just shared it with you, Blake. My thought is when I look at it, it looks like Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> yeah. It's, um, 
it's very interesting. I think that um, I, I think that I, I don't really know in in when this artwork was generated, but it just it really looks a lot like Aerosmith. It looks like what D- Dirty Donnie's done in the past, and that they were kind of trying to tap into that sort of edgy but cartoonish um, style. I, I think I don't really know that this style works with the type of music that Queens made though. I I just, I don't know that, that this is the right vibe that I get when I listen to, to their music. I think it's a really cool piece of artwork. It's very technically well done, a great line work and everything. But, um, I agree. I think Queen Queen is more stylized, almost a little bit more like sophisticated and angelic in a way. Like it's not this, like this is, This this feels like, and also like that comicy style of rock band that that works well for T-shirts, but it's not really what should be in the pinball game if I want to like remember Queen. I feel like I feel like one thing that like Dirty Donnie did with Metallica and and Aerosmith is that he he made the bands look cool in a pop culture, a very pop art edgy kind of way. This image. I don't feel like really makes, you know, Brian May and Freddie Mercury look that flattering, honestly, yeah, like you know, and like, like you said, it's, it's, they were a, a, a little bit more of a sophisticated band in a way. They were very symphonic in how they composed their music. And I mean, you're talking about a, a band full of guys that had PhDs and stuff. And, right. um, and so I, I, I feel like that the style of this kind of misses the mark in terms of the theme itself uh, and, and the you know who the band is. Um, right, right. When, when I when I hear Queen music, I don't think of skulls and all that kind of stuff. You know, right? right. No, definitely not. Um, how many months before Home Pin goes out of business? <laughs> oh man, are are you telling me that you know people aren't just chomping at the bit to get their Thunderbirds machine? Uh, I mean, come on, it looks like a fantastic game. Oh my god, <laughs> it's crazy too because it's only five thousand dollars, but it, 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 to, to release a game like that at five thousand and people are like, it still doesn't feel worth it, is is like a nail in the coffin. And and watching Mike and Wayne battle each other on Pinside is 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 is, is, is the greatest spectacle in Pinside uh, these days. Yeah, you know, I'll say this. I mean, I actually don't think that Thunderbirds looks like that bad of a game and I I feel like there was a lot of thought that was put into the game and uh yeah, they... 5 years in the making, of course. Well, right, right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I don't I don't want to I, you know, as a creative person, I don't ever want to sell somebody short on the creativity they've put into things because it's, you know, it's it's hard to to be creative and come up with fresh things all the time, and so it's it's easy to sit back and criticize other people's, you know, artwork and stuff like that, and I don't think that that's always a great thing to do. But but I'll say this, I mean. Um, you know, if the game doesn't really shoot that well, then I think there absolutely should have been more thought put into the Whitewood. And, you know, if there ever even was a Whitewood for that game uh, and, you know, the actual things that make a game function properly. So it's it's been an interesting experiment. I'll say that, um, you know, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised that considering Mike was so adamant about these games not making their way over to the U.S., that, you know, one of them's going to be at the Chicago show, it sounds like, and that they they are trickling over here. And, you know, 
he needs sales over here to be good. It sounds like he's he's kind of burned the Australian market, and that was the primary target audience for that machine. So um, I mean, he's burned every market, and he's burning every goodwill with the company he can possibly burn. And I mean, look, we predicted it. Let's let's just for the record state that every single company that Canada's Pinball Podcast has predicted will go out of pinball business has gone out of pinball business. <laughs> you know, I, I'm I'm batting a hundred percent. A thousand percent for this. They, they will go out of business. It is just a matter of how many months. I would say they get a couple hundred thunder thunderbirds out the door, and they they're done. They're done. There's there's no. We don't need these guys. We, Stern can give you an incredible machine for just a few hundred dollars more that they'll stand behind. That will be a better theme. That will like last the test of time. And you know, one thing that I want to say, and I. And I know I've been rough on Stern because I want to see them have more in the game. And I know they listen to this podcast. I'll say this. I've had Batman 66 now for over a year. I've enjoyed it. I play it all the time. looks brand new with the Playfield Protector. I have not had a single thing in this game break or go down or be a headache. I had one node board yeah. that had to be replaced. But I'll say this. They build games that last. I mean, yeah. I, I, I'm not like Roto Dave throwing my cabinet around the apartment, so I'm cracking the cabinet. I don't have cabinet protectors. My cabinet's fine. The games are they 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 don't break down. I, the first time I played Pirates of the Caribbean on location, I I step up to the game and three things are broken. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I, I'm I'm with you. I've been a little critical of wanting to maybe see a little bit more put into Stern machines. But I will say that they have a system that absolutely works well, and and they know that. And sometimes you don't really want to screw with something that works well. And um, for as simplistic as some of their games might be sometimes, and as much as we, we want to see these mechanisms, I understand why they build their games the way they do, why they try to make them as efficient as possible, but yet reliable. And they they certainly have developed an overall experience that's really great with their machines in the last few years between the art packages, the music, the call outs, it's, it's all been very, very well done. And I still find myself having the most fun playing their machines of all of the new games that are out there. Yeah. I mean, that's what, I mean, it's, it kills me to say yes, but it's true. Like as much as like, I want there to be more, uh, it's hard to. I, there's not a single Jersey Jack machine that is as much fun as like the modern Sterns. There's not anyone else. I mean, Spooky doesn't add up to that, and it's 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 just the way it is, you know. And I think if if we can get some competitors to get them to put a little bit more in, it's almost like it sucks because if, if a competitor does push Stern into putting a little bit more in, they will put that competitor out of business immediately. Stern. Right. Yeah, so it's like. <laughs> It's like that's why I think the only white space in pinball is not to compete with Stern on a volume level. It's it's small run boutique games that are high end that are really doing magical stuff. Like if you're gonna put smoke and sparks and flames into games like Deep Root is like people are saying, you can't sell two thousand of them and compete with Stern because you'll never be able to manufacture a complex pinball machine. I don't think so. Maybe I'll be proven wrong. Um, yeah, the way Stern does it. So. Blake, anything else? I know there's a show going on that you wanted to plug down in Texas, but um, what's what's the what's on your mind otherwise? Oh man, well, uh, yeah, we've we've got the Houston Arcade Expo coming up. Uh, 
October 19th and 20th, which is the exact same time as the Chicago Expo. Um, but this is, uh, yeah, it's, it's a great show. Uh, I've been involved with it for the last couple of years and we, um, we're really growing the show tremendously this year. We're moving into a new hotel. We're doubling the size of the show that it's been. Uh, so we're going to be filling about 24,000 square feet this year. And, um, it's just a, it's a no drama, absolutely just party arcade atmosphere for an entire weekend. And it's a, it's a hell of a fun show. It's, um, we, we do a lot of live music and it sounds like deep root should send John Papaduke to that show. (laughs) <laughs> and then the rest of the team should go to Expo. Well, you know, we, we actually asked Deep Root uh, to come to our show. Uh, we, we did ask to see if they would like to have a presence, and uh, they opted to just go to Chicago. So um, we, we do hope that they'll come uh, give our, our show a chance uh, another year maybe. But um, I'll say this. You know, our show, it's not an industry show. It doesn't pretend to be an industry show. It's just basically a fun pinball and arcade show. And sometimes I think that's what really counts the most with these shows. It's not about, oh, well, you know, we're going to have this many vendors and we're going to, you know, we've got all the big title, you know, companies and games there. It's about sometimes just trying to to turn a weekend into an old arcade 80s experience again, you know, kind of like the good old days. And that's really what we aim to do with the show. We've got over 300 games and uh, live music and a lot of seminars and other, you know, artists and vendors. So, um, you know, it's a great affordable show that, you know, won't break the bank. You can bring your family and uh, not have to spend that much money. Um, so I hope that one year people will give our show a chance. Uh, we, we actually had our date set before all of the drama with the Chicago show this year. And it just turned out that, you know, they kept their date and they're still trying to get this show put together. But, you know, our show has no drama associated with it. We've been doing it for a long time. And, um, so, uh, hopefully we'll, we'll get some more people to come down another year. The room rates are $89 a night. They're, you know, over half the price of what the rooms in Chicago cost. And, uh, so it's, it's overall, it's just a great experience. And, uh, I think people would be very surprised if they come down and give Houston a chance one year. Definitely. That never materialized the whole like fracturing expo into two shows. Remember there was like, I'm going to do a show like on my own. Remember they were supposed to like split it into two shows. The other one never happened, did it? Or is it no, no. I don't know if you've been following the pinball expo thread on, on pin side, but they've, there's some legal matters going on. It sounds like between, uh, Rob and, and Mike, and they were the two guys who were co-owning and running that show for, for many years. And now Rob has basically taken over and, uh, you know, they're still going to make it happen. And I guess the major manufacturers are still going to support them. Um, I wish them the best. I don't, I don't want to see any show fail, but I mean, they've obviously got some things to work out and I think that they definitely are trying, you know, a, a fresh approach a little bit. Um, you know, so I, I wish them all the best of luck and, and I hope that our shows can, can coincide, you know, in the future. Um, and people will give both of them a chance, but Anyways, one, it's, one uh... <laughs> final question, Blake. Then I got to run. Do you think they will sell more than ten founders editions of the Mafia Pinball? <laughs> 
have they sold one yet? Uh, I guess would be my question. Uh, man, I think I think Hilton McDingle put in an order for one, but we're still trying to confer- confirm his identity. Hey, I'm I am all about supporting new manufacturers. Anybody that wants to try to make a pinball machine and actually can manufacture it and not take anybody's money before they can ship a game, I'm all for it. But you know, you've got to be realistic about what you're offering people for the price point, and you know, not to knock their game. But if it's that simplistic of a game and it's still that expensive, it's going to be a hard sell. So it's like trying to sell someone a five dollar bill for twenty bucks. Yeah. I mean, come on, guys. Like they, they, they saw the market. I mean, I, I give them credit for using their own dime to make this sure. thing happen. But sure. I mean, on some level, my mom always says common sense is the most important skill you can have in life. And common sense tells me there is nothing that they could have seen that would indicate people would spend $7,500 on a single level mafia game where the mafia boss is wearing a 10 gallon cowboy hat. <laughs> okay. So you, I, you know what? I think, I think that really a, a big takeaway from this right now is that we're at a point in this hobby in the industry where every machine that every manufacturer makes has to count. You has have to got great. to be, you've got to make something that people absolutely have to have because there if are... you you can't just make a game that is decent and hey please give our game a chance it's got to be something that people want to drop money on you know as as absolutely. big of a problem as that has been with the j-pop games and dutch pinball and all this stuff you know they were making games that people really really wanted but obviously they couldn't make them um there you've got over 20 million box options if i want to buy a game today, there are over 20 new inbox games I can go choose from, and you're gonna. So you're. So if you're coming out new, you've got to convince people to not buy one of those games available now in a box, and buy your game. That's it right. Ha- I mean, it's- when when I was designing the artwork for Cosmic Chaos for TPF last year or for this year, um, you know, that that game. We, we never were sure if that game would ever possibly may, be made, but I designed every aspect of what we were doing for marketing and for the cabinet that was there as if that could be a real game. And I tried to design it in a way that people would really want to have that game. Is it? Even though out? it may never exist. Uh, I have no news on that. Basically, there's been no discussion of Cosmic Chaos and if that game will ever be made, unfortunately. I think it could be a really cool game. I think that we came up with a great art package for it, and it's got a neat story behind it. Um, But so far, uh, yeah, I haven't been contacted about it. Uh, I'd love to see it if somebody wants to make it. It reminds me a little bit, well, it's not the same thing, but it's like those dudes who showed us their kingpin that they're remaking, and then they like... They just go silent for like years, like on these these intentions. I just don't well, think that kind of stuff will work. You know, you sold people yeah. translates. Now you owe them a game, and it's like you didn't even finish Pinball Circus, and and you're mm-hmm. on to the second one. And it's like, uh, I, you know, this whole era of like, you don't show your game until you can make the game. Like, right. lit, lit, like, and I mean, like, make the game like in a couple months, not like in a couple years. Like, it's so stupid. Imagine if I walked into work, in any job. Hey, boss, here's an idea for three years from now. Pay me today. 
they'd be like, get the fuck out of here, Chris. Right. Like, right. Uh, you know, we need to make our clients happy like today. And that's what yeah. a lot of these pinball people do is like they want they want to get patted on the back for future intentions. And I, yeah. I, I just I don't think they deserve it. Like, no, show me right. it when it's done. And that's why, you know, we never, ever, like, Cosmic, what we did with Cosmic Chaos was, <laughs> even though we put an art package together for a cabinet, there was never any intention to necessarily make a game. I just designed everything as an artist as if there could be a game for it, you know? So we never, we never sold trans lights, we never showed off a cabinet, you know, with the you know, commitment that that was going to be turned into a game at some point. It would be cool if it ever happened, but yeah, we were never going to overpromise anything. Right. So, right. well, I think we covered them all. We didn't talk about Oktoberfest now that I think about it, but do you want to just tell me real quick, Blake, like your thoughts are on how well you think Oktoberfest will do in the market? Uh, it better be one hell of a spectacular game is all I can say, because, you know, if, if they're going after the the brewery crowds uh, to try to put these games in, in those kind of venues, then they're going to really have to count on the distributors and themselves to get the word out to these breweries about that game because otherwise I think it's going to be a tough sell. And I don't I don't want to say that it can't be a great game. I think that any theme, when done right, can be a great game. But um, it's definitely not a game that everybody was asking for, you know? Right. So uh, I, I, I'm excited to see it because I'm excited about any new game that gets put out there. But um, I, I hope it's really something special. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I hope to talk to their sales and marketing guys soon. And yeah, I look, I look forward to seeing it. We're, we only have a couple weeks and we're going to see it. I, I think um, yeah. until then, I think everyone agrees that this is not a take my money now theme by any means. <laughs> um, no. But, but if it, you know, if it shoots well, and I think that's the thing too, is like Houdini just doesn't shoot well. And everyone knows that they rushed, they had to rush that game out. There was no white wood. It, the shots are too tight. It's a great theme. But again, I think it, you know, people don't want to be frustrated. They want pinball to be fun, and I think Houdini just overly frustrates people. Um, so I think they, they're they going to learn that lesson. This is a new company, but th this is the key game, though. The sophomoric title on a new company uh, is everything. It, you know, because people forget that The Hobbit bankrupt, like, bankrupted Jersey Jack Pinball. They, right. The orders didn't come in. Um, the game wasn't good. They couldn't afford to make it. It, it, they struggled to get the second game off the ground. Same thing with Alien. Same, you know, it's like if you can't get your second title downright, it's going to make it really hard to have a future. So I hope they yeah. figure it out, and we'll see in a couple weeks. But, Blake, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. Um, we will get this up early this week, and um, we'll talk soon. Absolutely, man. It's always fun. Glad to talk to you. All right. Later, Blake. All right. See you. Hello.